Kaiju FM. Come find your niche. Welcome to this week's episode of The Prestige, a podcast about films made for film lovers by film lovers. Each week we take a different film and we look at it in depth and we talk about some of the themes and ideas behind that film and we finish up with the recommendations for further watching based on the actors or directors or cinematographers or just sort of thematic connection. And this season we are going through genre by genre. We are reaching the end of our high school series of films this week. Um, More on that shortly. But we begin each episode with some thoughts on what else we've been watching in the couple of weeks since we last recorded. So, Rob, what about you? So, I talked last week about Space Force. um, And apart from Space Force, the only big thing that we've been watching a lot of recently is the brand new series of Queer Eye, uh, which came back for season five recently. And it's a brilliant show. It is peak 2020 comfort viewing um, in that it's about people feeling better themselves and people working together to feel better. You do end up feeling a weird mixture of like empowered to change your life and utterly shamed in how your life currently is, especially for me around the sort of fashion elements because I dress like a slob. Um, but... I watch a show and I'm like, oh, that's brilliant, I love that. And then you look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, oh no, oh no. Um, but it's good comfort TV. Um, and with everything going on around the world currently, it felt like I need some comfort TV. So yeah, it's been queer for me. Nothing else more interesting and exciting than that. What about you, Sam? Well, this is, I mean, this won't be a case of Sam watches something in six months that Rob's recommended because I've actually served the latest series of Queer Eye as well. And I love it. Yes, all all their programs are great. Um, I wanted to talk about the. Well, I've been continuing with various things, various TV things I've mentioned before. One thing I did want to talk about is a film that was well. It was it was the talk of the town for the the back end of twenty nineteen, beginning of twenty twenty awards season. Um, people raving about it and the direction and saying that the even if you didn't happen to think very much of the lead actor, he was exceptional in this and he was touted for any number of awards and indeed won a few awards. So I sat down and tried to watch Uncut Gems. Emphasis on the try because, I mean... It's very... I mean, we're in lockdown. Come on, what else have I got to do? Um, we're in lockdown and I've got a three-month-old son who doesn't sleep. So what else have I got to do? It just... I just couldn't do it. I couldn't... I mean, it's not an incredibly long film, but I couldn't <laughs> even get past the first hour. It just... Was it Adam Sandler I didn't get on with? Yes. Was it the way the Safdies directed? Yes. It was just it was just a horrible experience and I didn't 
it was like it just felt a bit like a bad dream that you're happy to mm. wake up from and i'm like i don't want that from my viewing experience thank you so i'm sorry i'm i'm a philistine i just didn't get on the <laughs> cut gems i will confess i haven't seen it either um and it is one of those ones that's a lot of buzz and it's on my list to watch and i've got a copy of it to watch i am reticent um, for two reasons. One of which everyone's like, watching it is the most anxious experience of my entire life. Yeah. And I'm, as I mentioned earlier, kind of got enough of that going on right now. And secondly, Adam Sandler. Like, I can't get past Adam Sandler. I've never liked him in anything he's made. No. Um, and I must say, I've not seen a lot of it recently. I haven't seen a lot of his work since the last 10 years. But I've never really liked him in almost anything he's ever done. Um, and I know it's his big turn. It's his big moment in doing something serious. And all comedy actors do it. Everyone does their big, this is me being serious film. Mm. But it's Adam Sandler. And I'm like, I keep looking at it. Oh, I should watch that. I should watch that. Because people, people rave. People say great things about it. I should watch that. But then Queer Eye comes on. I'm like, I'll watch that. <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. I am also a terrible Philistine and bad film critic there. Because I just haven't got around to it yet yeah i mean it like you said i mean it's been described as this incredible anxious experience you've never felt like that in the cinema like i've got enough if you've seen the world i'm mm. just anxious enough at the moment thank <laughs> I, you i don't need more <laughs> yeah as sam mentioned we are coming to a close of our high school movie series um, it's been a, a long, long series since the heydays of Breakfast Club. And we're rounding it out with 2019's Book Smart. Good morning, winner. Take a deep breath. Visualize the mountain of your success and look down at everyone who's ever doubted you. Fuck those losers. Fuck them in their stupid fucking faces. Are we going to go to school? Or? Nope. What's two plus two? Isn't it crazy that it's the last day of school? Are you kidding me, Samantha? Go talk to her. She's got a really cute smile. Amy, do you know how many girls are going to be up your vagina next year? Every time I come to visit you, you're going to be scissoring a different girl. Dude, scissoring is not a thing. Don't knock it until it's you've tried it. Don't knock it until you've tried it. Ow! It's the last day. We got you through high school. I need to go over the end of the year budget numbers. Can't we just graduate, head off to college? That should do it, right? We will persist. I can't hear you. I can't soundproof glass. We have to go to a party tonight. What? Nobody knows that we are fun. We didn't party because we wanted to focus on school and get into good colleges. And it worked. But the irresponsible people who partied also got into those colleges. I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. We haven't done anything. We haven't broken any rules. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. He broke art rules. Rosa Parks. Name another Susan one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Picture this. I'm a bag of dicks. Put me to your lips. Hand sanitizer. Chap. Chapstick. Chap. Mace. Listen, it is very important that you keep the safety. Is this? We ask the questions! Oh my god! What more can I say? 
Yeah, well, that seems excessive. Shotgun. Just kidding. Yeah. I don't have one. Don't say we're having a date night. Why? It's funny your parents think we're boning. What you two have is fashion. We are going to show each other how much we care about each other. We'll probably just do a Korean face mask. I don't need to know all the words. Booksmart is a high school, only just high school movie. Uh, It's on the last night of high school for two best friends um, who discover that They've worked all the way through high school. They've studied, they've avoided partying, and they've been quote-unquote good girls and good students to get into high school, good colleges. They discover that all the party animals and all the people in their school who they look down on are also going to these colleges, and it sends them down a existential spiral, shall we say, ending up with them deciding to have one night of fun before they leave for college. It is in many ways a classic all-in-one night movie, and it's a kind of it plays on a lot of tropes of these kind of things. High school movies set in one night, and the idea of a night can change your life. I'm gonna make a small confession here, and I have already talked about this movie on another podcast. Um, I did an episode of uh, Trouble Feature, and it was one of the films on there that was picked. But hopefully, I can bring something new to this discussion. Sam, how did you find Booksmart? I really like this film. Good, of course you did. It's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I. This film really benefited actually for, for me from. Um, we talked about it before that um, it can be difficult to watch things all in one go, and um, various. I've talked about this with Sun Sun slash various other arrangements. My men, I had to watch it in two halves, and it really benefited from watching the first fifty minutes going away thinking about it for a day and I really did think about it and then coming back and watching the last half it was I I really enjoyed that and it was going into it at the beginning in in that first chunk I kind of thought well yes it's enjoyable but I don't really have a lot to say about this also I mean it's funny and it's well made and it's clever but I just felt particularly at the beginning like the issues around female disenfranchisement like young female sexuality like what do I know what am I going to say about this film so I enjoyed it after that mm. first first part of it I thought yeah I enjoyed it but you know I haven't got to say so okay I'll watch the second half tomorrow and it just played on my it just stayed with me and played on my mind in in a really good way and I just I thought about it a lot in that intervening time and I just yeah I don't know what, what it was about the film just sort of it seemed seemed to grow on me outside of watching it mm. I understand that entirely I think when I watched it the first time I was kind of like struck by a desire to watch it again the next day mm. um I think you're right. It is one of those films that we often talk about on this show with not every film is for everybody. And, you know, Sam and I are straight white males. A lot of films are for us. And not every film should be or is for us. And I think this is one of those films that I really love this film. I thought the film was absolutely brilliant. For me, it ticked so many boxes in terms of what I want from a high school movie, from a coming of age movie, and just from generally from a movie. That being said, I think that there are levels of this movie that can be accessed by young women of this age um, and what they're going through um, in a way that we probably can't. Um, and that's okay. I think a film can be good without having needed that. And I think 
I'm going to be a bit more vague here a bit, but I think this for me is tied into one of the big dualities I've seen in our movie watching experience, watching these high school movies is that films fall into two categories, nostalgia and coming of age. So many films we've watched here are about people looking back. So Sing Street, looking back. Days Confused, looking back. There's movies that are high school movies that are not set when they're shot and are looking back. And then there are other ones that are contemporary, so Breakfast Club. And these are the more kind of coming of age movies. And this feels much more like a coming of age movie. I have no nostalgia for their life here. It isn't trying to sell me nostalgia in the way that Sing Street might be. Mm. It sells you that contemporary experience. And, you know, Sam and I are 20 years out from this experience of our lives. You know, we, 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 have, we have spent longer time out of school than we spent in it. Yeah, that's scary. Yeah, it is. Um, but for me, I still loved it. I think for the, the thing, the couple of things I really love, one of which I think the, the main duo um, who sort of carry the biggest weight in the movie. Um, so that's Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein playing Amy and Molly. Their relationship felt brilliant. It felt true and serious and real in a way that sometimes movie friendships don't. Secondly, for me, I loved the direction of this movie because it's so incredibly weird at times. It's the, 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 the filmic direction from Olivia Wilde is so unbelievably weird. There's an extended sequence of them being Barbie dolls. Yeah, that was brilliant. There is a wonderful dance number that I just yeah. I just blew me away when I watched the first time. And a beautiful one-shot um, in that same party sequence where you throw it out of the pool. And I just think, it's so well done. It's so brilliantly shot. Um, so those, for me, were the two big pillars of this movie that I really, really dove. That one-shot, that of Amy walking through the house and the party, I thought I was going to cry. That's so heartbreaking. And you you can see, I don't know if it's that Kane Dever is an incredible actress or it's just the way it's directed but it was just you could see everything that was going on in, in her head after she found out about spoiler alert Ryan and what was going on in the swimming pool it was just that was just incredible I just love that mm. well I know what you mean about that feeling quite it, it did tap into that I suppose universal experience of having your heart broken of liking mm. somebody and then thinking you're going somewhere, and then, no, you're not. No, you're not. And that's, you know, high school is very nature is heightened. I remember our high school days, and everything was the biggest thing in the world. Yeah. Every Monday, who kissed you, what hat? And, like, we've got older things have changed. Things have got serious, actually, actually serious. But there is that feeling of it's so important and so heartbreaking in a way that outside of school doesn't matter. But this film, for me, tapped into the universality universality of being not uncool, but just not cool and feeling like an outsider, but also being finding humanity in other people. I think that's one thing that film that I love. I love the experience of this genre going from Breakfast Club, which is all about breaking down the barriers of people about these five people who are wildly different and at each other's throats. And over the course of the movie, it breaks them down. Booksmart does the same trick. By the end of this movie, you like every character in it. Mm. Even the two people who you see break Amy's heart. You like them. You get what's going on there. Like It humanises all of these people that could have been one note, B-list characters for the, sort of the, the heroes. It humanises them. It brings joy and kindness to them. 
Mm. I mean, I, I'm just blanking on her name, but the AAA, AAA, the, um, the, if I want a better word, the school slut, as she's known. Mm. Um, and the film, like this beautiful, wonderful moment in which the film absolutely destroys any expectations you have of her. And she know this is what's happened. This is what happened. But also, I like giving... Yeah. And it's kind of like it's, 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 like, it's <laughs> double twist in which it goes ah you see you thought that you're wrong but also by thinking that's true you're also making judgment and here's here's a whole character it, yeah and it was just wonderful and the film just felt so in the way that you can draw that line from Breakfast Club to now it has that moment of like these people these tropes you think you know these stock characters that you're so taught to expect it's more than that. And here's that whole other layer. And I think that's just brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I, I love the way that I particularly like the, that scene with AAA in the car where you think you think it's going to be... It, it, Olivia Wilde is amazing. She just flirts with the fact that it could be really cheesy and terrible. Because mm. if AAA says, yeah, you know what, I, I got this, it, it just fe- would feel cheesy if... I, I, I get what you're saying. It's that it would be the easy option. Yes. To make her be that one note. It would be the expect option. And for Olivia Wilde, who's known as an actress making her first movie, I think it's wonderfully brave to do mm. that. And I think that's why I talked about the direction. The, I mean, it's the film can be condensed down to that one. The Barbie scene is just so wonderful and weird. And it, the film balance that fine line of being incredibly funny and incredibly rude and times very crude, but also bringing so much heart to it. Um, I think a lot about the um, Molly's kind of sort of boyfriend in it. Mm. Um, this character who is basically trying to buy friendship at, you know, at school and he's trying to use the money he has to get friends he hasn't got otherwise. And he starts off entirely like this weird parody pastiche character and then the movie, over the time, brings through more and more and more of her and his relationship with his sister, his relationship with Molly. And by the end of it, he's still that same person. He's still the slightly weird, you know, rich kid. But he's also got a, like a level of heart. I mean, there's a I read an article about this where Olivia Wilde talked about how she had a no assholes policy on set. Mm. That she was hardcore on the set. If you come on the set, you're not an asshole at any point. And like. I've worked on film sets. They are replete with assholes. <laughs> they are they are filled with egomaniacal psychopaths. Um, and the film res- industry in itself will reward that kind of behaviour because it gets things done. Mm. And so many films are like I'm very very happy making these films, but they can be experienced when you're dealing with like terrible people day to day. Um, and I think it's so brave and wonderful to bring that in, and I think that shines in this in this in this movie. It shines that people are everyone's getting on, and by the end, like the the whole final scene with graduation and the car, and like it's genuinely fist pumpingly brilliant. Mm. I, and, I thought about that ending that, and that's what it said to be you. You touched on the fact that sort of high school films are either, as we've seen, they're either sort of nostalgic or coming age. And I think the I think the other element there are sort of three elements to high school film is romance, and this mm. is not. I mean, yes, it's a romantic film. Yes, it's a love story, but the love story is not between Amy and Ryan or Molly and 
Nick, it's it's between Molly and Amy, and it captures that thing that I mean, I'm not being sort of crude and suggesting that they're a lesbian couple at all. There's, I mean, it, it's evident that they're not, and it's evident that Amy's sexuality and Amy's relationship with Molly are completely separate. But there is something about their relationship that's beautiful and heartwarming, and that's the love story at the centre of this because you can put a conventional romantic couple in this situation of um, doing everything together, finding out there's some crisis and having a screen match in the middle of a party and falling out and then getting back together and that all makes sense and yet mm. this is this is not your conventional romantic couple. I thought that was brilliant. I agree. I think, I think that's where the film, as I said, like that the, their relationship, their friendship is so real and like, elvely, it's heightened. It's obviously heightened for drama and comedy. But they feel, like, lived in as friendships. Like, they feel like they've got this code. The whole Kamala thing I thought was, like, spot on great. Because that's so them. It's so well thought through. One thing I thought about talking about, about their, their, their relationship is that in terms of the romance films, a lot of romance films have this kind of arc of in which pers- one person starts immature or naive or some, some sort of negative quality and over the course of the movie overcomes that and earns the love mm. you know it's you look in almost every rom-com um very often it's the man who's, who, who has to overcome immaturity but very often it's the woman as well has to overcome her expectations but that's a big arc in rom-coms and romance movies and this film has it as well both molly and amy have these arcs amy has to get over her kind of i know inability to act mm. um, the, the whole thing the opening where she won't go and talk to the girl she likes but then by the end is the one getting arrested and, and uh, taking away the cops so everyone can escape and Molly starts prejudiced and judgy of all the people who she goes to school with and by the end of it her speech is not that mm. um, and obviously as I mentioned earlier about our, us as an audience our arc through the movie of going from judging all these characters to where we accept them as full people and I think the film does that. It, take, it takes that kind of model of a romance arc of overcoming your negativities to earn love and applies it across the board. And I think that's where we as an audience, we fall in love with the characters yeah. because we see them struggling, we see them grow, and we see them striving. And we're programmed or expecting that from a, a romance story. Yeah. And you have that and the very beginning when there's... I mean, talk about various twists before, and there's a twist right at the beginning where you think... It's a conventional narrative of they worked hard, they go to good school, the jocks or the pretty girls spend the time partying and they get their comeuppance. And the twist is they haven't got their comeuppance. And so the twist sort of 10 minutes into the film is Molly realising, shit, what happens now? Mm-hmm. And you're right, there's, there's something there's something real, something incredibly realistic about it. I don't know, it's... Because it's a product of the school that you and I went to, but even the boys, and it was an all-boys school, but even the boys who went out passing, went out for the weekend, even one who I remember went on regular trips to Ibiza. Like, even people who did that are, like, really high-flying and went to prestigious universities and landed good mm. jobs. And you think, I mean, from a personal point of view, I've, I've been there, like, I've hmm. been Molly and thought, ah, okay, so that's not what this was about. Yeah, I mean, I think that's where you, uh, that's what I love. The, I love that sort of the 
the duality of this and Breakfast Club because that film isn't quite as in-depth on this, that one topic, but there is a moment with Brian in that which he thinks, like, they think he's smart. They just presume he's smart because he doesn't go out. Mm. And this film has that same thing. And I think you're right. I think there is a this weird... I suppose, it all, it, for me, it all hinges on that AAA story of that expectation of what we as people and as audiences expect. And we expect the hard-partying kids aren't going to do well because that's what we expect. We think they're, they're priorities elsewhere. And so if they're hard-partying, they can't be smart and clever mm. because we we are a, a people who tr- thrive on stereotypes and tropes. It's how we tell stories through tropes. And I just think it's so powerful, this movie, and so clever. And like, there, there's a version of this movie that's really preachy. And there's a movie that's really kind of dour and serious about people coming of age and understanding it. And in many ways, Sing Street was part of that. Like, Sing Street is a great movie, a very funny places. But it's also dealing with some of the real harsh, harsh realities of life. Mm. And this film doesn't deal very much with harsh realities of life. But it still manages to be hilarious and heartwarming and so funny, but also actually take the audience somewhere. Rather than just being, you know... Fun and like Sam and I grew up in the era of you know, Ten Things I Hate About You and that kind of um, high school movie, which are brilliant and funny and and but they don't say anything, they don't do anything. They they they're just a good fun time. Mm. This felt like it was trying to and it did say something as well and teach us an audience some, something new. Yeah, I think like from the the very beginning when you have sort of these shots of her feminist icons and you think, well, maybe this is going to be a film that's going to teach me. Like, I'm stuck with that that idea. The end of it has something to teach you and you think, well, okay, maybe this is going to be quite a worthy film and I'm not going to enjoy it. And it's not at all. And I think that is mm. hugely to Olivia Wilde's credit. But you're right, it's... It teaches you and it has something to say to you, but it's it's beautiful and it's heartwarming and it's an enjoyable cinematic experience and it's a great way to finish our high school season. I, I, I agree, I agree. So before we move on to recommendations, Sam, I was going to ply you for a couple of thoughts on high school movies in general. We've done 10 episodes on them, which has taken us about five months, six months with various... Even like, we, You went off for a baby, yeah. so easily... Six months do we do that? What are your thoughts having having gone through the whole genre? I I'm struck by something you said this episode actually that there are films that say something and they don't. I'm I'm not making this a then and now comparison. I'm not saying that recent films have more to say. I think even something like The Breakfast Club has something to say about the high school experience, and yet there are. And this is not. Um, Again, I don't don't wish to say there are good films and bad films that we've seen. Something like Ten Things I Hate About You or Clueless, for example, which I absolutely love. I think it's a brilliant film. We didn't do it in this season, but people should go and see it. Yeah. Um, films like that, the films of the late nineties, um, even something that like something you you didn't did much go on with, and something I like it was Centrinians, but. Films like that don't have a lot to say. They're just a bit of fun. And yet, there are also films in this genre that really do have something to say. So Breakfast Club and Dead Poets Society, one of the genre, and then sort of Booksmart towards the end. And I really enjoyed that. I think 
it's it's very easy for with it's easy for me it's easy for people in general dealing in sort of stereotypes to think okay high school film or teen film well it's a bit throwy it's just you know exactly what you're getting you're dealing in stereotypes you're dealing in in sort of predictable character arcs and yet there are films that we've watched in this genre that really upend those ideas how about you I mean, I, I think I'd echo that that's nailed it in the head for me, to be honest, is that, like, I went into this, to be honest, for a bit of silly fun, you know. I, I, I enjoy talking movies, and I thought I'd go into a season for a bit of fun after, you know, the darkness of our vampire series and all of that. I thought, well, you know, just bring some fun to this, you know. And I've really been blown away by the depth of feeling I've had for these movies mm. and the strength of my reactions to them. And... You know, yes, some of them haven't been the biggest, deepest things in the world, but like Sing Street was genuinely affecting, as was Booksmart. Um, Breakfast Club is always great. And I think there's so many movies that we've covered here who show the depth of this genre that sometimes are written off as just being fluff, just being silliness. Mm. And I think that for me, that was the big takeaway. Like, there's, just, there's, there's so much good stuff here. Even for me, you know, I'm heading towards 40. It's a long time since my school days. I'm very lucky to still have my school friends, like Sam and a few people. But this is not a lived experience for me right now. But these movies can still reach out and touch me and still evoke these feelings in me, be they nostalgic, be they temporary, but they're nonetheless. Mm. So we usually end with recommendations based on the film. So, Rob, do you have anything to offer? I do. I've got two to recommend. So first up um, is a TV show, unusually, um, which I don't really recommend very often. Um, but it's a film. It's a now can unfortunately a now cancelled um, TV show called Santa Clarita Diet. It's what now? Santa Clarita Diet. Okay. Um, which is a Drew Barrymore, Timothy Oliphant horror sitcom in which Skylar. Zondo, I think his name is, who plays Jarrett in Booksmart, plays their teenage son. Essentially, Drew Barrymore becomes a zombie, and it's about their hijinks that go from there. It is one of the best sitcoms I've seen in the last five years. It's hilarious and brilliant, and was cancelled by Netflix before its time. So I'm a bit bitter about that, but it was genuinely a brilliant show, um, and he's so good in it. I knew him from there, and I just made me happy when he popped up in Booksmart. Um, he said the plays that he's not as over the top in book smart, but he says that same kind of slightly awkward teenager who falls in love with uh, the girl next door. So I thought that was ace. That was really, really good. My second one is a recommendation based on Caitlin Catlin, Catlin Deva, um, who plays Amy in book smart. She, for me was the standout star of the movie. I thought she was, was so good in her role. Um, and she popped up in a movie from a couple of years before. So, Six, six years before, um, called The Spectacular Now, which is another high school movie, uh, this time headed by Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley. Shailene? Shailene? Um, I'm terrible at names today, guys. I'm sorry, sorry. Um, about a hard-partying school guy kind of getting used to being more than that and finding a girl that he connects with and can teach him more than that. It's very good. It's not funny in the way that Booksmart is, but uh, Kellen Diver pops up in that as a uh, supporting character. What about you, Sam? Well, I have not three recommendations, two and a half recommendations. 
Um, I just want to mention before I do two proper recommendations. Um, Olivia Wilde, the director, absolutely amazing. We've talked about it before. Um, a few years before Booksmart, she directed a music video for a band called Ebershaft the Magnetic Zeros, whom I absolutely love. So if you haven't heard, then go and check it out. She directed a video called No Love Like Yours, but all of their songs are great. So that's sort of a half a recommendation to start with. And then my two recommendations proper. Um, the first of these, you've already mentioned, Kate and Diva, I think. She was, I mean, she's absolutely amazing in this. Um, and I mentioned this to a friend at work. You remember that thing where we had to go and be in a different building with other people? Um, it seems so long ago now. And he said she was great in um, a Netflix series last year. And she was, predictably, she's an incredible actress and it was a really well-made series. But I had to check up on him afterwards because what, I mean, seriously, it's like a true crime reliving the experiences of someone who lied after a sexual assault. Like, why? I, come on, Stephen. I've mentioned it before. I mean, the world's terrible enough. I don't want to sit down and watch a Netflix series like that. So, yeah, it's kind of a recommendation, but not. Like, if if you're listening to this in 2025, then great, and, and everything's fine, then go go ahead and watch Unbelievable with Kate Diva because it's absolutely amazing. But now, just now, no, park it. It's, it's too much. <laughs> uh, now is not yeah. the time. Um, my second and final recommendation is um, sort of thematic, but um, Beanie, what's her face? The Feldstein. She is also in this. She has a bit past in this. Um, so it's partly thematic and partly actor-led. It was the 2017 film Lady Bird, Greta Gerwig film, which her books might reminded me a lot of, actually. Um, it has similar themes We've said before, certain films not for us. The this may be another film that wasn't for me, and yet still, I still really got on board with it and felt it spoke to me. So, yes, Lady Bird from 2017. It's a great film. Well, guys, that's the end of our high school movie series. It's been a lot of fun, particularly. Um, we are moving on next episode to a brand new genre. Um, we are moving on to the heist movie genre. Now, this is a one that Sam and I have been fans of as long as we've known each other, probably. Um, and I'm sure we'll touch on some of those movies that inspired us and we loved as we go through it. But we are starting with what is often considered one of the very earliest and most classic of the genres, which is the 1955 French movie, Rafifi. So we're back here in two weeks talking about that. Till then, guys, you can find us both online at Prestige Podcast. You can find just me at life underscore academic. And you can find just me at Kaiju FM. And we'll see you then.